Howdy. This is the Views from the Shot podcast presented by Big Banter Sports. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Friday, July 7th, 2023, I wish you the happiest of National Koi Days. On today's show, it's a mailbag episode, which I'm very, very excited for. It's been a while since I fielded some of your questions, and I got pelted with a fair amount. And after wading through everything that everyone has wanted to know that's on their minds, I've narrowed it down to several questions I'll cover today. There's this big conversation on Twitter versus threads, and should the views from the shot head over to threads? I see no need for it. It seems like no one else does either. By the way, I don't know why everyone is so angry with Elon Musk and the fact that he bought Twitter and now he's doing with it what he will. But I can tell you the solution is not complaining on his very own platform. Before we get started today, as well, I'll let you know I am a regular gym goer, as you know. Was hitting the deadlift yesterday, trying to really strengthen those hamstrings, those glutes a little bit as well. And, well, I'm pulling some weight. I'm pulling some extra weight. And I tell you what, I'm dealing with some kind of a strained hip. And it has now gone into my back this morning. So, please keep me in your thoughts and prayers. I'm very stiff as I record this podcast, but I press on because you need the content. Also, one other thought before we get into the mailbag. I tweeted a couple days ago, name me some obscure Big Ten basketball players. And I named some. Even Ohio State Buckeye, I named P.J. Hill. I also, I named Jordan Taylor from Wisconsin. And it was all fine and dandy. Got a couple likes, of course. We're putting out content to get the engagement, to stay active, all the stuff. You know how it goes. And then a couple days later, I get a response from a a young man, or seasoned man, by the name of Rick Clayton, who decides to just flame us for some reason. He says, how is Jordan Taylor obscure? Two-time first-team Big Ten, second-team All-American, broke some records for assist-to-turnover ratio, which I didn't even know. Good for Jordan Taylor. And he's only obscure... If you literally never watch Big Ten basketball, well, newsflash, buddy, I do watch Big Ten basketball. I'm sorry that I didn't include the most obscure of obscure players. I was looking back, thinking back of of Big Ten players, and Jordan Taylor came to mind. It's not like he had a huge Big Ten career. And by the way, my response was civil. Just said thanks, Rick. That was all. Because we're not going to traffic in... Flaming people when we've been thrown under the bus or being rude when we feel like we may have been slightly offended. That's not how this show will work. Never has been, never will be. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Or if you do have something that's not the nicest to say, just pull me aside and say so, Rick. Never seen this guy before on my Twitter anyway, so he's not going to hear this. Let's get in the mailbag, shall we? Got a lot of questions, how to whittle it down. And I feel like I did the best that I could. So let's jump in. First question. This actually came from a couple of different people. But first asked by at Dan Bird, friend of the show. I'd like to think. 
and also asked in some part by at Buckeye Bob 35, Bob Cody, big time friend of the show. Both are asking along the same lines of which freshman is most likely to break out this season. Now, if you're unaware, Ohio State has four freshmen coming in to the program this season. Some of which, I would say, have some pretty high expectations. You've got, of course, Taysen Chapman, one of the higher-ranked players for Ohio State, top 50 nationally, four-star, coming in from Minnesota. Devin Royal, also top 50, coming in from Pickerington, where you may be listening from right now. Scotty Middleton, right next to him, from Sunrise Christian, top 50-ish recruit. And then Austin Parks, he's a top 200 recruit, doesn't have the the shine and the allure of these other three players, but overall, a pretty heralded recruiting class coming in, penned by Chris Holtman. So which player is going to break out? Which player can we expect to have the biggest impact in year one? Well, the first thing you look at is where is there a need for impact? Taysen Chapman is going to step into not necessarily a thin backcourt, but there is some room for playing time and minutes there at the one and the two. You look at Scotty Middleton also stepping in at the three. He's going to battle to start early on, and he very well may start for Ohio State. Devin Royal and Austin Parks, I think, have got an uphill battle to get a lot of playing time this year. You've got Jamison Battle, Zed Key, when he's healthy, Felix Akpara, and it's difficult to understand where these two may be able to fit in. Devin Royal is a fun player. He is a really, really fun player who is going to contribute to Ohio State. As a freshman, though, I don't think that there's the room for him. So, for me, it comes down to Taysen Chapman and Scotty Middleton, and which player is going to have the most impact between those two. I think the area of opportunity is higher for Scotty Middleton. He's going to battle with Evan Mahaffey for a starting role, but that three position is wide open, and it's absolutely there for Scotty Middleton's taking. Taysen Chapman... Has some competition. Obviously, Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale are going to start. And then you've got Dale Bonner. And it should be Taysen Chapman playing alongside Bonner in in the rotational, I guess you can say, backcourt. But if I've got to pick a player right now, and you're forcing me in July, this isn't a prediction. This is just content. So don't hold me to this. But if I had to pick one player and one player only, it would be Scotty Middleton. From what we understand about Scotty Middleton, from what the coaching staff has said about him, from conversations that I've had, Scotty Middleton can do one thing that freshmen sometimes can't do very well, and that's play defense. He's long. He's got a great frame. He needs to add some muscle, of course. Q Banks will help him with that. But... The opportunity is there for Scotty Middleton. He's got a shot. He can he can score anywhere on the floor. He can defend. He's very long. And I think that Ohio State, especially last season, as the season went on, 
Chris Holtman began to appreciate those players who could play defense and sit down, slap the floor, play defense. Maybe not a la Aaron Kraft, but sit down and play D. So I think Middleton is going to be the guy. He's a freshman. I think I'm the most excited to watch. I really like Devin Royal, by the way. But I would pick him as as a player most likely to break out this season, most likely to have a, a Roddy Gale or a Bruce Thornton impact or even Felix Akpara. All the freshmen last year were incredible. Of course, you had Bryce Sensabaugh as well. I would go with Scotty Middleton. Hope that is a satisfactory answer. Then... We've got at James Daniels 178 thrown in a question here, which I love. What is the ceiling for this team? It's a great question and one that I'm very excited to answer because I think the ceiling for this team is very, very high. I think that this is the most complete roster that Chris Holtman has constructed since he's been at Ohio State. Let's just look at the the two deep on the depth chart for the Buckeyes. You've got Bruce Thornton and Dale Bonner. You've got Roddy Gale, and you've got Tayson Chapman. At the three, you've got Scotty Middleton and Evan Mahaffey. At the four, I don't know, Zed Key and Devin Royal. At the five, you've got, I, I don't know, some mixture of Felix Akpara and Zed Key and and probably not Devin Royal at that point. Austin Parks coming in. I mean, this is a very, very deep roster. And not only is it deep, the other ingredient that you need when you're building a team that can produce all season long is not only the depth, but the experience. And every single player that is going to have any kind of impact this season or, or big-time impact, has played. Bruce Thornton, a lot of playing time last year, especially in the Big Ten tournament, along with Roddy Gale. The only question mark there is Scotty Middleton. Of course, Jamison Battle at the four. He's had plenty of playing time in college basketball, as had Zed Key, as has Felix Akpara, as has Kevin. If you're familiar with The Office, I threw that in there. So, it's a deep team. It's a team with extreme experience. And the other thing is the talent. You'd like to have a team with some talent. Bruce Thornton is going to be, I've said it for years, and by years I mean 13 months, I guess, maybe. But I've been saying this. Bruce Thornton is going to be the next generation's Aaron Kraft in that I think he's a player who's at Ohio State for four years, contributes every single year, Comes in, plays as a freshman, and before long, he's second team, all Big Ten, third team, all Big Ten, maybe all Big Ten first team. You never know. But I love Bruce Thornton, and I love the talent on this team overall. So what is the ceiling for this team? Well, they play in the Big Ten, which means that they're going to be battle-tested, and they've got an incredible non-conference schedule as well. So as far as the ceiling goes, as far as the ceiling has gone for Chris Holtman teams, it's been the second round of the NCAA tournament. I think Ohio State will break through that ceiling this year. This is, I think, projecting Sweet 16 good enough. They should be advancing to the Sweet 16. They should be regularly within the top 25. This is a team that, by the end of the year, should be fighting to win 25 games. This is going to be a really, really good team. 
I'm calling it now. You're going to have some haters and even some losers saying this Ohio State basketball team isn't going to be very good because they'll just look at last season. They'll look at Ohio State's record. They'll forget about the Big Ten tournament run, and they'll say this won't be a good team. I mean, look at what we got from this Buckeye basketball team in the Big Ten tournament. The run that they made, beating Wisconsin, beating Iowa, that's a good win, by the way. Beating Michigan State, great win. Beating, sorry, not beating, competing with Purdue for, I don't know, 32 minutes. This is a team that can really make a run. So the ceiling, the ceiling, Final Four, Elite Eight, I'm not going to, technically the ceiling is a national title, right? But realistically, like what is the highest possible outcome for Ohio State basketball this season? I think it's probably a, a regional final game where they're playing in the Elite Eight. I think that's the ceiling for this team because you're still lacking a a true superstar at this point. Unless one of the freshmen can step up and be that superstar, you don't have a Malachi Branham. You don't have a Keita Bates-Diop. You don't have a Bryce Sensenball at this point. So I don't know who that player will be. If they can grab a player like that, if a player like that can bubble up from this roster, then yeah, this team absolutely can be Elite Eight, Final Four, make a big time run. But right now I'd say the ceiling is probably an Elite Eight type of team where this team is finishing in the top four of the Big Ten for the Big Ten tournament, competing and potentially winning the Big Ten tournament. They have got the size, they've got the depth, they've got everything they need that they didn't have last season. The ceiling is high. The ceiling is very, very high. Got an interesting question here from at Buckeye Fett, who has 9K followers, 9,000 on Twitter, by the way, over 9,000. Go give them a follow. Cool question here. Had to sprinkle it in. Which former Buckeye basketball player would make the best coach? Now, I'll pause, and I want to see if your mind immediately went where my mind went. Do you have a name or two in your head? If you do, let me know. Would love to get your feedback on this. My brain immediately went to the one and the only Aaron Kraft. I mean, I name a couple other players here, but Aaron Kraft was immediately when I read this question, my my brain rushed to the side of Aaron Kraft. Very talented player, of course, at Ohio State, but he, he did it all when he was at Ohio State. Point guard, captain, ran the offense, played incredible defense, type of guy who's going to slap the floor, wear a mouthpiece, lose some leg hair, because he's sliding all over the floor, diving for loose balls. You love that, right? But he was a very smart player, great distributor of the basketball. And not only was he a smart player, a smart person in general. The young man is a doctor. So if Aaron Kraft ever wanted to get into the coaching world, I think it would be very easy for him to do. Knows basketball, you would assume. Smart in general. Super hard worker. I think he could be a really solid recruiter. I don't know his people skills. Maybe you do. Seems to have okay people skills. I think he'd be a solid recruiter as well. People would admire him. I'd go Aaron Kraft. Can I give some honorable mentions now? Yes, I can. I give myself permission. Joey Lane. I'm just going to throw this name out here. You know those players sometimes? Dabo Swinney 
is an example, Nick Saban example in college football, where you have those players who are on the team, maybe not the superstars, but you feel like they're just constantly scheming. I feel like Joey Lane was on the end of the bench, you know, when when Keyshawn Woods and C.J. Walker were out there playing for Ohio State. I feel like he was just scheming on the bench, drawing up plays and like, man, we should make an adjustment here. We should do this there. I He just feels like that type of guy. Obviously, now he's working still in in sports media, contributing to the Big Ten Network and other places as well, heard on 97.1 The Fan. All those different types of things. So he obviously knows the game. As the youths say, he knows ball. So I'd say Joey Lane is a potential guy where I just feel like he was constantly on the bench just just wanting his shot. You know, where, where something happens where maybe, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't a good basketball player. I was adequate at best. I've admitted it before. Hand up if you were adequate at basketball. And I sat there at the end of the bench in high school and... You daydream a little bit, and you're like, you know what? We're really bad. My coach sucks. You should sometime you should ask me the a question in regards to what happened with myself and my my basketball coach on senior night. That would be a fun story, but not for today. Not relevant to Ohio State basketball. But the point here is, when you're at the end of the bench, you just dream. You dream because you're not focused on getting in the game quite as much. Maybe Joey Lane dreamed of one day Chris Holtman getting ejected and then assistant coaches ejected. Another assistant coach is sick and we're like, who's going to lead this team? And you look up and down the bench and you find Joey Lane. He's like, Joey, can you do this? Can we give you the keys? And Joey says, yes, sir, you can. And then the Buckeyes win their game over IUPUI. One other player I would think of is Mike Conley. Boy, it's been a long time since Mike Conley played for Ohio State basketball. Almost 20 years. But I would throw him in the mix. I don't know. Maybe I'm just into the point guards being head coaches. But extremely experienced basketball player. Knows the next level. Knows how to play at the next level. I'd throw in Mike Conley. Will Grabovac, big time friend of the show, asks, Which non-conference game will prepare Ohio State the most for the Big Ten slate. Well, we know Ohio State has a very SEC-heavy schedule in the non-conference. Obviously, they kick off against Oakland. They've got Texas A&M, which is a big one. They've got Alabama. They've got potentially Oregon or Santa Clara. They've got... The CBS Sports Classic with potentially Kentucky, potentially USC, not USC, UCLA, sorry. And then, of course, they've got West Virginia as well. But which team will prepare them the most for the the regular season? And I go back and forth between Texas A&M and Alabama. Now, Alabama, of course, they lose Brandon Miller. And they've, they've lost some talent, as has Texas A&M. But I think Alabama is most likely the team that is going to prepare Ohio State forwards and backwards. The, the thing with their roster at this point for Alabama, they keep Mark Sears. That's a guy you know. 
Javon Quinterly, will he return? Question mark. But outside of that, you've got a head coach in Nate Oates who knows how to coach a basketball team, obviously. They've got an incredible freshman class coming in. So I think Alabama is most likely the team that is going to give them a run for their money with multiple top 50 players coming in. Sam Walters, Jaron Stevenson, I think, is going to produce the most early on. And Chris Parker as well. He's rated a little bit lower than Stevenson, for example. But I think that he's going to have an impact for Ohio State. Sorry, for Alabama. So when it comes to Ohio State's toughest non-conference competition, you've got to look at Alabama. Again, you can look at Texas A&M. As well, I think those are the two teams that make the most sense. Overall, it's hard to look past a team that's talented, that's well-coached, that has some veteran leadership, that has all SEC talent all across it, and some transfers coming in that are going to make an impact as well. So I would say Alabama will give Ohio State the biggest run for their money and prepare them the most. Last year, you look at the game against Duke, We thought San Diego State, maybe Cincinnati, games like that would really give Ohio State the biggest test. Of course, they lost to Duke, and San Diego State ends up making a huge run in the NCAA tournament. So there will probably be a team on this list. I don't know, maybe it's West Virginia. They band together across all the issues that they've dealt with, and West Virginia becomes a really good team. I don't know. They missed the tournament last year. We're... About 500, just like Ohio State, but dealt with a very difficult conference in the Big 12. So I don't know. There'll probably be a team that that pops up like that. Overall, I would I would have to put my money on Alabama. All right. At Grinstead underscore Dylan ask. He's got two questions, and I'll I'll allow it just as once. I'll allow two questions from the same person. It's a two-part question that's kind of related. So, number one, who are you hoping to see the Buckeyes close in the class of 2024 with an addition to Junie Mobley? So, that's the first part of the question. I've been pretty vocal about this. I think Amir Ali is Ohio State's not only favorite target, but I think most likely target to join the team in the 2024 class. He's a four-star, top 50 recruit. He's been linked to Ohio State several times, and it seems like there will be a commitment coming sometime this fall from Amir Ali, and I think that commitment will be to Ohio State. If you haven't watched this guy, which if you are 20-some minutes into an Ohio State basketball podcast in July, then you are the sickest of Buckeye basketball sickos, so you probably are familiar with Amir Ali. But if you haven't watched him, I would recommend you do. You'll be very excited to see him. Other question here from Dylan. He says, do you think if Ohio State has a bounce back year this season that there's a realistic shot at Darren Peterson? Darren Peterson is from the Cleveland area, four-star guard, for those of you who are unaware. And this isn't really in regards to Darren Peterson. It's more so in regards to anything else recruiting related. The thing that we as fans need to understand about basketball recruiting and recruiting in general is that 
players develop relationships with coaches for years. So before you see teams being linked to players and and players most likely being committed to a certain program and you see crystal balls being thrown out there day after day, week after week, month after month, Buckeye coaches and coaches all across the nation are all trying to form and build the best relationship possible with each budding recruit. So I say that to say this, Ohio State winning a national title this season isn't going to change the mind of Darren Peterson. The only thing that that will do most likely is give you a better shot of landing top transfers in the portal. But one year of success compared to three years of constant recruitment, text, phone calls, visits, conversations, asking how the season's going, all those types of things, one year of winning six more games than expected isn't going to change anything. So whether it be Darren Peterson or anyone else, if a team is out, they're likely out. They're just straight up out. And playing your way into the favor of a recruit is extremely unlikely. So I got to put that out there. Thanks for the question, though, Dylan. At underscore, pure sharp underscore, also known as Ben Madden, good friend of the show. He wants to know, how do you feel about the schedule this year and the strength of the Big Ten? So kind of a two-part question here. First thing I'll say, the schedule in general. So we know the schedule for the non-conference. I've already spoken about it. There are some great tune-up games, i.e. one, unless you want to count the, the Dayton exhibition. They've got Oakland, and then immediately they've got to play Texas A&M. Four days later, on Monday, November 6th, they play Oakland. On Friday, November 10th, they play Texas A&M. So that's going to be a tough game. But I love this schedule because you have a mix of essentially mid-major or low-major, Oakland, Texas A&M, Merrimack, Western Michigan, Bama. They play Bama in the Emerald Coast Classic. Then they'll have Oregon or Santa Clara. Both of those games will be high-quality games. Then Central Michigan, Miami, Ohio, not Miami, Florida, and then the CBS Sports Classic, and then New Orleans, and then West Virginia. So it's a it's a phenomenal mix of difficult games, playing teams that are going to be contenders to make a run in the NCAA tournament with tune-up games, with, let's see Austin Parks on the floor in the final five minutes of the game because Ohio State's up 84-57. to 57. So I love the non-conference schedule. And then just looking at the way Ohio State's Conference, Big Ten Conference schedule breaks out. Incredible. I think it's the best break of any Big Ten team. Now, we posted it on the At The Shot Pod page on Twitter several weeks ago when this was released. Here's what Ohio State's got in the Big Ten. Now, they'll play Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska, Penn State, Rutgers, Wisconsin at home and on the road this year. They've got three teams that they play just at home and three teams that they play just on the road. So those home games are going to be Illinois, Maryland, Purdue. All three of those teams, tournament teams a season ago, all three of those teams should be solid. Maryland, question mark maybe. Illinois and Purdue I think are going to be just fine 
this year in the Big Ten, obviously, especially Purdue. When you're looking at teams that you're going to play at home, just at home, you would much rather see Illinois, Maryland, and Purdue than, I don't know, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Minnesota. just feels like a waste of if you're going to get one team at home and just at home, you want the best teams. So sure, maybe we could pick Purdue, Michigan State, and Indiana. Didn't fall that way. It's likely never going to fall that way. But you get Illinois, Maryland, Purdue, that's great. And then on the road, you're looking for teams that maybe aren't going to be the best. And this is the only iffy spot. You'd love, of course, to take on probably more so than at home. Actually, definitely way so more than than at home. So strike that from the record. You want the worst teams on your away-only schedule. Here is where you want Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Minnesota, Nebraska, Penn State. They get at Iowa, at Michigan State, at Northwestern. Now, here's the thing with Michigan State. Michigan State's going to be a very solid team this year. I think they're going to be really good. That's the team that Ohio State is so used to. It seems like every year they're up in East Lansing playing at Michigan State. Then, of course, you've got Iowa as well, which a team with some turnover on the roster, whatever. You'll play there. And then at Northwestern, which has an arena the size of your local high school. I think it fits three or 4,000. So not too worried about that. So the away schedule is great as well. And then, of course, they've got Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska, Penn State, Rutgers, Wisconsin. List them all off. Rapid fire. At home and away. I think it's a good thing to have Indiana at home and away. I would love to have two shots at beating them. And hopefully you take one from them. I think Indiana is going to be the team to beat in the Big Ten this year. So... You like the opportunity to play those teams twice. That's the one drawback of getting Purdue once, getting Michigan State once, getting Illinois once. You only get one shot to beat them. So you better do that. But overall, Ben Madden, to answer your question, how do I feel about the schedule and the strength of the Big Ten? I love the schedule, and I think the strength of the Big Ten is going to be very good. I think it's going to be more top-heavy than we've seen. I think you're going to see teams like Indiana, Michigan State, and Purdue be really, really good. And I think you're going to see a a bigger difference between the top teams than the bottom teams in the Big Ten last season. Last season, seems like all these teams were clumped together. You had Rutgers ranked one week, then it was Michigan State, then it was Iowa, and Ohio State just couldn't figure out a way to get multiple teams ranked in the Big Ten, and then everyone thought the Big Ten was bad. No, it wasn't bad. It was just very competitive. So the Big Ten is going to be really good again this season. And again, I think the top teams are going to be very, very good. And that's where the focus will be this year on the Big Ten. Whereas last year, it seems like we really focused on teams like 4 through 13. So that's my thoughts on the Big Ten. Last question here that I'm, I'm rather excited for is one that I'm saving it till the end. It's for the Buckeye basketball sickos that stick around. And hopefully we'll have the same reaction as I have had. From at Lathy Nathaniel. Very simple question. Man, a few words. When will the program turn around? When will the program turn around? My first question back to you, at Lathy Nathaniel, is... Does this program really need to be turned around? 
think about it. If if a program needs to be turned around, that means you're stripping everything down, you're removing the head coach, you're bringing in a brand new coaching staff, you're dealing with some transfers, you're letting players walk. Is that what we need at Ohio State basketball right now? Now, some may argue yes, and that's fine, but I think that's a short-term viewpoint Ohio State of course finished 16 and 19 last year but we should not if if we're going to go short term if that's the argument that you want to make and say Ohio State season was so bad last year that it needs to be turned around here's the thing they made a huge run in the Big Ten tournament and they nearly played for a Big Ten tournament championship lost to Purdue in the semifinals and you know what if they would have won that, I think that they're in the NCAA tournament because I think they beat Penn State, they get their automatic bin, and they're in. But regardless, they finished 16 and 19. Yeah, it was bad. And I, I would assume that the sentiment that the Buckeye program needs a turnaround is because the season prior and the season before that, they make the NCAA tournament and they don't advance past the second round. And then before that was the COVID year. Year before that, Two years in which they make it to the second round of the tournament, and they don't advance. So, under Chris Holtman, this team has won 20 games or more in every single season except for last season. They've also made the NCAA tournament in every single season that there was an NCAA tournament except for last season. So, if you're calling for a turnaround, that means that you're calling for Chris Holtman to be removed. That also means... It's, it's not an expectation, it's not a guess, it's a reality, it's a fact that you're going to lose top recruits that you have on your board, and p- players are going to transfer out as well. You also have a head coach in Chris Holtman, who, by the way, has just so happened to win wherever he has gone. Of course, we know he started his head coaching career at Gardner-Webb. After two poor years, he turned that program around, won 20 games. Then he went to Butler, and he won 20 games every single year, never missed the NCAA tournament. So this is a head coach who has proven that he can win in college basketball. So you ask the question, when will the program be turned around? I don't know, but it's not going to be this year. This program isn't in need of a turnaround, in my opinion. Now, if they go out and they flop again this year, yeah, there's going to be some heads rolling. Chris Holtman won't be the head coach at Ohio State. But I don't think that there's really much of a likelihood that that happens. So when will the program turn around? I guess if we're thinking short term, just because last year wasn't good, it's going to be this year. I think that we are, right now, if you can buy stock in college basketball teams, you should be buying big time in Ohio State basketball. The class of 2022 with Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Felix Akpara. Bryce Sensball is already in the freaking NBA. The class of 23 incoming with three top 50 players. The transfer portal work that Ohio State has done. This is a deep team. It's a fresh team. It's an experienced team. It's a talented team. So to answer your question, I'll answer your question with a question. Why should Ohio State turn around the program right now? Why should they get rid of Chris Holtman? Why should they lose all these players? Why should they lose players in the the transfer portal? Recruitment, all those different types of things. 
That's my question back to you, at Lathy Nathaniel. Appreciate the question, though. All right, I got a lot of questions here. If you were if you were listening patiently, waiting for your question to be asked, I apologize that I missed it. There's just only so much content you can put into a certain amount of time here. That's all we've got for today's show. I invite you, please. You all did a great job early on when we first started putting out some podcasts and, and episodes and stuff like that. The majority of listeners were subscribed. Now we've kind of flipped. It was about 80% of our listenership was subscribed. Now it's almost been flipped on our head. So please, if you're listening, if you're new, if you've made it this far, subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. You don't have to listen every time you put out an episode. It'll just be there for you in case you want it. Appreciate you listening today. Ohio State basketball just a couple months away, and it's going to be a good season. In my opinion, I could be wrong, but I got a good feeling. As should you. As should everyone else in college basketball. The haters and the losers don't know, but we do. This has been the Views from the Shot podcast presented by Big Banter. I will shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks. <laughs>